Well, our, our speaker today is not really a guest. 22 years ago, Lance and Melanie Gocher were sent out of this church to be our missionaries in the Philippines. I had the opportunity to work with Lance. We overlapped for just a little bit in the Philippines before I came to um, the States to be your pastor. And um, I'm so glad for what God is doing there. Uh, I take great delight to see how God is using Lance and Melanie in the ministry there. And I know you're going to be blessed. So would you join me in welcoming our speaker today, Lance Gocher. Let's give him a hand. Thank you, Pastor Eddie. Good morning, High Street. Yeah, uh, Pastor Eddie's had a big impact on my life and ministry and Cindy too. And in fact, it was just right back there um, 24 years ago or so that Pastor Eddie said, uh, Lance, why don't you think about coming to the Philippines? I said, nope, I'm going to Tanzania. He said, well, would you pray about it? I said, well, it won't do any good. And he said, well, would you just pray about it? And I prayed a couple of times about it just to be very transparent. And our church was doing a mission trip to the Philippines and the rest is history. And here I stand telling you a lot about the Philippines today. So thanks for that conversation uh, that night. I know God was in that and God had a lot planned through that. But High Street, uh, we love and appreciate you guys so much. Uh, we're so thankful that we were sent out of this church, as Pastor Eddie said, uh, so many years ago now. It makes me feel kind of old. You start talking about decades on the field and things like that, but it's been an incredible journey. Uh, just amazing things that we've been able to see and do. Uh, it's been the time of our lives, honestly. Uh, last year, uh, we had a really tough lockdown uh, with COVID, uh, just like so many places around the world. By the way, thank you for your prayers for missionaries. Uh, we went through different things in different country, countries that maybe, than maybe you went through here. Uh, in the Philippines, nobody under 21 or over 60 could leave their house for six months. And so that made our lives very difficult, uh, made our ministries very difficult. But praise the Lord, uh, last year we were able to give, give out right around 100,000 meals uh, to different people in our community. We'll probably give out almost that many this year. Uh, things are locked down again as of yesterday in the Philippines. And so we've had to get creative. Uh, we've had to, to do things we've never done before, and I'll share some of those things with you. But here's how awesome and amazing God is, and here's the God that we serve. He is not limited by a pandemic, amen? God is not limited at all in any way. Over the last two months, about the last eight or nine weeks, we've seen 672 plus people saved. And I'm not even sure how that's happening, to be honest with you. We're doing outreach after outreach. They're smaller than we used to do, but God has given us opportunities and open doors to go into new places we've never gone into before, to speak to parents of teenagers now. Before we were reaching the teenagers, now the teenagers can't really come out and can't really meet, so we're meeting with the parents instead. And so that's been just something amazing to see God open up. And I'll tell you throughout the message today about just some opportunities that God is, is giving us, even in church planting, but you know, the last 16 months have been some of the most uncertain times of our lives. But instead of looking around, around us at what's going on and only focusing on, on the negatives, we need to look to God, the Lord of the harvest, and remember that he has, stained, has saved us, he has sustained us, and he always has and always will, amen. He's not uh, forgotten about us. And when we think about these things, we think about what we're going through as a world and lockdowns and not locking down and back and forth and so much uncertainty, how should that cause us to live as Christians? How should that cause us to act and, and to live out our lives when the world around us doesn't even know what's going on? They can't even figure out what to do tomorrow or what the next step is. 
We know Jesus, amen, and we have the answer to everyone's need. No matter what that need is in their life, we have the answer. And I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 9. It's a familiar missions passage, um, but I hope uh, that we'll realize today that it's more important than ever that we focus on it. So read with me there in Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35. It says, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And I have to admit, over the last few months, I've wished that Jesus could just be here and just heal every disease and every affliction. But when Jesus was doing his earthly ministry and going around, he was healing people. They were being healed. This was happening. Let's read on. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus, the one with the answers, Jesus who can heal anything, Jesus who could feed the thousands, Jesus who is the king of the universe, he is looking at the crowds and he has compassion on them. But look at what it says next in this passage. Then he said to his disciples, people just like you and me, He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The Lord is so concerned about this world. He's so concerned about people that he came to this earth. He he willingly laid down his life as a sacrifice for our sins. And he loves people so much that he looked to his disciples and he said, pray that more would take on uh, this job, would take on this responsibility, would take on this ministry to go into the world and to preach the gospel. And here at the beginning of this message, I want to ask us to, to think about praying that Matthew 9.38 prayer, to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. But this morning, I want us to look at what was the Lord's attitude about the harvest. Point number one this morning, the Lord went throughout all the cities and villages. He went throughout all the cities and villages. When you look on the map of of Jesus' ministry, it's not very big. Those years that he had his earthly ministry, he didn't go very far. But in that geographic area on the map, he went to every city and to every village. He didn't just go to the big cities. He wasn't just talking to the religious leaders. He was talking to everyone. No one was insignificant to the Lord. No place was too small. He wanted to go to every city and village, and that's what he did. You know, in the Philippines, we want to plant new missions in churches, in more cities, and more villages. And I think that's been one of the blessings of COVID, actually. It's caused us to go into areas and go into more specific areas that we haven't been into before. But you know, Jesus wasn't planting churches in this passage, but he was planting the seeds and tilling the soil, preparing the way for the apostles and disciples to come later and to establish churches. And this has been going on for 2,000 years, amen? We wouldn't be sitting here if this had not been going on for 2,000 years. And there's been examples of missionaries uh, for hundreds of years who who answered the call of the Lord of the Harvest to take the gospel to so many places. I wanna give you some of those examples. One example is Hudson Taylor. As a teenager, he actually doubted the existence of God, but in 1849, after he had been saved, he surrendered his life to be a missionary, and he went to China. He established the China Inland Mission. What was his goal? His goal was to immerse himself in in Chinese culture, and his goal was to share the gospel to millions who had never heard of Jesus and never turned to Jesus. At the end of his life, at the end of his ministry, there were 825 missionaries serving in China Inland Mission. There were 500 trained national uh, Chinese leaders. There were 300 mission stations established and 25,000 people had been won to Christ. Praise the Lord, amen. 
That's because someone answered the call uh, to take the gospel to as many places in China, to as many villages as possible, and to preach the gospel there. Let me tell you about another missionary. Her name is Amy Carmichael. I don't know, did anybody ever hear the story of Amy Carmichael in Sunday school? There's a CEF Sunday school lesson, if you're my age or around my age, uh, I I was taught this. But in 1887, uh, she was raised in a Christian home. She heard Hudson Taylor speaking about China, and she surrendered her life uh, to be a missionary. She served in Japan for three years, and then she served in India for 55 years, never taking a furlough. I'm not even sure how that's possible, but she dedicated her life uh, to serving. As a child, though, Amy Carmichael had one desire. Her mom would teach her to pray before she went to bed, and her one prayer request as a child was, God, change my brown eyes to blue eyes. It's all she wanted as a kid. Lord, make my brown eyes blue. And she prayed that prayer and prayed that prayer and prayed it, but God never answered it. When she got to India, she began to work with women and children there, and and she would find out why God had made her the way that she was. She uh, went around to different villages, and she ministered with a group called the Starry Cluster. That's what this group of ladies that went to minister with her was called. In the villages, she shared with women there that God loved them no matter what caste they were from, and God loved them and could forgive their sins. And part of her work became to rescue children uh, from temples there that had been uh, sold into slavery and prostitution. What she would do is she would kind of get into Indian dress and she would cover up everything except her eyes. And as she walked in, they thought she was an Indian woman and she went in and helped rescue those children. If God had answered that request or had made her any differently, she would have been discovered and would have been found out. But God molded her and shaped her for a purpose and a plan and a reason. And she was able to help rescue many children and lead many women and children to Christ. Bedridden at the end of her life, she would write 13 books encouraging people for missions, and those were spread all over the world. When you look at these two missionaries, it's it's inspiring that they went out into the highways and the hedges, remote villages and towns to share the gospel. That's one of the things I love most about being a missionary. I love the city we live in. Manila is the monster and a beast of a city. It's 22 million people. But when you get out into Manila or you get outside of Manila even and you go out into the provinces and you go into a place I'll show you in just a minute called Daraitan and you go into those places that you didn't even know existed before. You didn't even know it was a spot on the map, but there are people living there, and God cares about those people, and he wanted our team from our church to go there and share the gospel, and he wanted people to be saved there. This is what's happening all over the world. This is what God wants to happen, and you find this in the New Testament, too. You can turn to Acts 16 if you want to. I'm not going to read all of this, this passage in here. It's my favorite chapter in the Bible, I think, Acts 16, because it talks so much about missions, and the missions team is made up of Paul and Luke and and others with them, and the Bible says that they went to Phrygia and Galatia, Mysia, Troas, Crete, Ephesus, Corinth, city after city to spread the gospel. And missionaries are still doing the same thing today. We need to keep doing this, even during this pandemic. People are waiting to hear the gospel, amen? Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that people are waiting to hear the gospel? 
Do we act like that and do we live like that? I know at High Street we believe in missions and we know that missions is important, but why is it important? It's important because people are waiting to hear the gospel and if we don't go, who's going to tell them? Let me show you some pictures of our, of our ministry in the Philippines and the first one I wanna show you is a place called Kalawan Laguna. This was started because of our flood back in 2009, way back then, and now we've been able to build a church building there. It's about a 200 seat auditorium and I'm preaching on video there uh, during this last year. There's a baptism that we've got there, but we've got this as a ministry center, and now we don't just have one church. I love Pastor Joji and Susan, and I love their attitude and their, their heart that they said, we don't wanna just have one place. They've got six places that they meet in now, and they've reached out and planted new areas. And let's go to the next picture if we can. This is a, one of those cities that we minister in. It's called San Pablo. You can see that the group there, we've outgrown the house that we're meeting in. We're meeting outside, and now we've got land that we'd like to buy and build another church building there. Why? Because we want to keep planting churches. Because people have gotten saved in San Pablo. Those leaders are, are being raised up now. They're being discipled. They have a heart to reach out and we want to see that cycle keep going and going and going. Why? Because people need to hear the gospel. They're waiting to hear the gospel. You know, during this pandemic, I'll show you another slide too of a place called Pina Francia. As we shut down and closed down uh, our services, we had no in-person services for six months. And so in this area of Pina Francia, there's a couple in our church, Manny and May Pasqua. They got tired of not being able to do church and there was kids all over in their neighborhood but they couldn't really do anything. So they did something that I, I promise you I've never thought of doing this as a ministry. It never has entered my mind, honestly. But they, could, they were trying to figure out a way to get kids out of the house. And so they asked the local government barangay officials, they said, can we ask the children to do a sweet sweeping, a, a street cleaning, I mean, and, and, and to sweep the street? Can we ask them to do that? And the barangay captain was like, sure, you can do that. Well, their plan was this, to get them out and then to, to you know, the picture on the left, you see they're being taught a lesson just there on the street. And then people lined up to get some food packs. They got our Filipino McDonald's Jollibee and out of that idea of just how can we reach out, now we've got a new church location going there in Pina Francia. All because somebody had a desire, somebody had a heart to reach children in their area. We've had a high attendance of 75 already in that location. All because somebody said, what can I do? How can I help? How can I reach out to the people in this village, in this area, in this street? How can I reach out to them? You know, we all have an area like that in our lives, don't we? We all have somebody we can reach out to. The question is, are we going to do it or not? Will we go to every place we can and share the gospel? But look with me at point number two this morning. How did Jesus view the harvest? Jesus proclaimed the gospel. This is the message that we must proclaim. This is the only message that we should proclaim. And, and, and you look throughout the New Testament, John the Baptist started it out, right? It says in John 1, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What does the Bible tell us? If Jesus is high and lifted up, that he will draw all men unto himself. We have to keep lifting up the name of Jesus. We have to make his name famous. And anything we do as a church, anything we do as a ministry, anything we're sharing with you today, anything that happens at High Street Baptist Church, it's all because of God, it's all for God, it's for his glory, it's not because of you and me, it's all because we make his name famous. Look what Jesus said in Luke 24, verses 46 and 47. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. 
I'm so thankful that we have a church where you can walk the halls and you can see those nations represented. Just take a walk down the hall and look at the pictures on the wall and see how we're trying to reach out to every nation that we can. This was Jesus' command that the gospel should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. But look at verse 48. Look at verse 48. You are witnesses of these things. You are witnesses of these things. You and I, we get to be, we get the privilege of being a witness. So can I ask you, are you a witness of these things? Are you actively sharing the gospel? Are you actively sharing your faith? You know, our, Melanie and I are so thankful for our children and they have a heart uh, and desire to serve the Lord. And uh, Luke and Bryn, our, our two middle children, they have been traveling uh, with an engaged team with Mana and going to different youth camps this summer. And uh, a few weeks ago before they left, Luke and I were playing tennis on Saturday night before they were gonna leave. And we got done playing tennis, we walked back to our house and I began to talk to my son. And I shared with him, you know, as a, as a 21, 20 year old kid, uh, you know, it's time now uh, to kind of set aside some of those childish things. I said, it's time for you to start thinking about who can you disciple and who can you help lead and, and who can you reach out to and encourage. And then I asked Luke this question. I said, when is the last time you led someone to Christ? And we talked about when that was. And I said, well, you've got a great opportunity coming up you know, this summer in the next few weeks where you're gonna meet kids at youth camps and their hearts are gonna be tender and they're gonna be hearing these sermons. I said, what, why don't we pray right now that you could lead someone to Christ? And so we did, right there on our porch, we bowed and I asked God, God, give Luke an opportunity. Luke texted me that next Tuesday, he said, Dad, I got to lead someone to Christ. We are witnesses, amen? If we will just open our mouths, if we will just share the good news of the gospel, if we will just recount what God has done in our lives, God is ready to save people. He wants to do it. And, and Paul also proclaimed this in, in Acts 13, 38. He says, let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. He proclaimed Jesus. Look at Romans 1, 16. Paul again proclaimed it, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, nothing stopped Paul. Nothing can stop the gospel from spreading. We have to remember this, we've got to remember this. No pandemic, no shutdowns, and no restrictions can stop the gospel from spreading. And there will be hurdles in our way. There will be restrictions along the way. But I wanna tell you the story of another missionary family, Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. You know them probably. In 1952, they went as missionaries to Ecuador. You know, what kind of impact can one person or one family make in this world? What kind of impact could, could a family like that, a young family that surrendered themselves and said, here we are, Lord, send us, and they moved to Ecuador, and they learn language, and they start reaching out. In 1956, Jim and his friends went to evangelize the Alcas, actually the Waodani tribe there, and Jim and his friends were killed, never having the opportunity to evangelize them. We might look at that story and say, well, was that, was that a waste? I mean, he surrendered his life, and was that a waste? But years earlier in school, Elizabeth Elliot, as she was being raised in a Christian home, she was introduced to the books of Amy Carmichael that she had written about missions. And those books were what inspired Elizabeth Elliot to surrender her life to be a missionary. Her husband had been killed and she could have gone home, she could have done something else, but she chose in 1960, 
along with um, Rachel Saint, the, the sister of Nate Saint, one of the men who were killed, and her three-year-old daughter, she went back to the Waodani tribe to share the gospel with them. And in 1960, that tribe received Christ as their savior. It was her forgiveness of their tribe that caused them to listen to the gospel and to be saved. We are witnesses, amen? Sometimes it's not gonna be easy. Sometimes the path and the journey will not be easy. Maybe what we're going through right now is not easy, but that doesn't mean that we should stop spreading the gospel. When we shut down last year, I wondered how are we gonna do ministry? We usually do these big outreaches and we have big camps and and big vacation Bible school. We'll have 4,000 kids at a vacation Bible school and all that's gonna be shut down. How are we gonna get the gospel out? We can't even meet together in person. And we were trying to share the gospel online, but I wanna introduce you to some people in our church this first slide I want to show you is uh, Mike and Jet on the on the uh, left here. Mike is one of our um, uh, one of our deacons in our church, and Pastor Eddie and Cindy know the Cobarubios family very well, and, and they've been a part of our church for a long, long time. But as as the pandemic went on, Mike's kept messaging me like every week and a half or every two weeks. Pastor, we got to lead somebody else to the Lord. Here's one of the ladies that they led to the Lord. His wife Jet and him, they got to lead her to the Lord, and every couple of weeks he'd write me. So we got to lead someone else. They were witnessing and witnessing and witnessing. This lady, Bella, right here on the left in the second picture, she's been a part of Melanie's Bible studies, and, and she just really took it to heart. She got to lead person after person. This lady she met going to the market got to lead her to Christ. They said, we can do something. It, it doesn't look like it did before, but we can do something. But let me go tell you another story about Mike if we go to the next picture and, and show you this picture. So Mike is in the middle there with me, and this is Ronnie in the red shirt. So our lockdown was very difficult difficult economically, a lot of people lost their jobs and there was no big stimulus packages and so Ronnie's a jeepney driver and all the jeepneys were shut down. That's our public transportation in the Philippines. And one day he came to Mike and Jet's house and he knocked on the gate and he said, I'm really sorry to do this but my family doesn't have any food and, and we, we don't know what to do and I'm a jeepney driver and I'm out of work, could you help? And, and Mike was, you know, he, he was kind of scared of COVID and he took out his wallet, he gave him 100 pesos equivalent of $2 and gave him a bag of chips and kind of sent him on his way. After he left, Mike was kind of kicking himself because, wow, here's somebody that actually came to his house. Nobody was doing that during that time. And he went out to the street to look for him but he could not find him and Mike was heartbroken because he hadn't shared the gospel with him. But the next week, Ronnie came back and he knocked on the, on the gate again And Mike this time invited him to come inside and Ronnie's son, 16-year-old son was with him and Mike got to lead both of them to the Lord. When we started church back up last October, uh, we, uh, before before the pandemic, we were running about 3,000 in attendance along with our children and youth and everything. And that son, that first Sunday back was rough attendance-wise, you know. And we only had one first-time visitor. Only one visitor that whole day, you know who it was? It was Ronnie. And he came, and after the service, he shook my hand, and he said, Pastor Lance, he goes, Mike was right. Church is so much better in person. There was only 18 people at that service that day, you know? It was nothing like it was before. I was a little bit depressed as a pastor that day, you know, thinking, are we, is this going to be our future? We're going to have 18 people per service, and that's it, you know? But he had gotten saved, and he was so excited to be at church. I'm so glad Mike got to lead him to the Lord. So glad that that happened. We are witnesses you know, why, why is missions important? Why is it important that we get the gospel out before it's eternally too late? Because people are dying, and if they don't know Jesus, they don't have the hope of heaven. I wanna show you another picture of one of our man of families. 
Um, the lady that you'll see on the left here, her name is Susan Barakwil. Uh, back, back in October, uh, she passed away, not because of COVID, but because of something else. And um, she has been one of our faithful man of mothers. Uh, she comes to church almost every Sunday, and every week, her husband on the right here, you see, she, he, she, he shared this testimony that she would come home from church every week and say, hey, this is what the pastor talked about. Would you come back with me next Sunday? And every single week for years, he would rebuff her. He would say, no, I won't go with you. And at her funeral, this is Pastor Jervin here in the Mana shirt right there. We got to talk to her husband and got to sh- he was sharing with us that story. Pastor Jervin got to lead him to the Lord. It was his wife's testimony, even at her funeral, that caused him to turn to Christ. He got saved, amen. That family has been saved. Why is missions important? Why do we need to keep uh, and stay involved in missions? It's because there are families like the Barakwil family that without having somebody come to them and share the gospel with them, they have no hope. They have no hope of hearing about Jesus or receiving Jesus, but we can do that. We can be those witnesses that Jesus wants us to be. When you look at Matthew 9 and you see that, that Jesus went everywhere and he proclaimed the gospel, I want us to go to point number three too. In this passage, Jesus healed every disease and affliction. You know, Jesus healed them in his day and I still believe that Jesus can heal, amen. Jesus can do anything he wants. He's powerful and nothing is too hard for him. But there's physical healing and then there's ultimate healing. And we've had to meet a lot of physical needs in the Philippines over the last few months, the last year and a half. And, uh, you know, there's ultimate healing, too. Uh, Melanie's father, Claire Barrett, he passed away this past January uh, due to complications from COVID. We had so many people around the world, and if you prayed for Claire, thank you for praying for him. Uh, We had so many people praying around the world, but God didn't answer our prayer with healing. It was the ultimate healing and the ultimate prayer request, right? He got to, to go to heaven. Um, I just want to show you some more pictures. I want to talk about Claire a little bit more in just a moment. But um, as we reached out in our community, I just want to show you some of these pictures of our, uh, this is uh, books that we had from our high school ministry. We had a a church in Texas that donated 100,000 textbooks and shipped them over to the Philippines right before the pandemic hit. We got to get those out to schools. We got to hand those out to schools. They had more resources to use uh, for the pandemic. It has opened up so many doors into so many more schools than we were in before. Just amazing that that donation happened. All the shipping was taken care of and we got it into their hands. We've gotten to share the gospel, like I said earlier, with so many parents in these schools. But let's go to the next picture. And, and, and these are some of our families that we're ministering to. This is one of our man moms in the red over here ministering to her neighbor. We, we gave them extra packs every few times, said minister to your neighbors. We had to get Sunday school lessons out to kids, but go to the next slide if we can. This is our, our staff. I am so thankful for our staff. We have such a hardworking, faithful staff. And we would load up cars and had to deliver these meals, those 100,000 meals I'm talking about. Almost all of those were delivered by car to somebody's house from March until December last year. Just incredible, just the outpouring of service and love and, and the provision for that uh, to just be able to do that. You know, we had to meet a lot of physical needs and there's been so many physical needs around the world, but... I want to tell you a little bit more about my father-in-law and just some things that we learned about him even after his passing. Um, I flew out the night, the, the, the day that he passed, I flew out to Arizona, and the family asked me to kind of go through his personal effects, and I was chosen to do that and asked to do that. And I found a letter that he wrote to his family about nine or ten months before he passed. 
just encouraging them. He said, don't sorrow for me. I'm, I'll be in glory. If you're reading this, I, I'm gone, but don't, don't sorrow. I'm in glory. Then I was going through some more of his, of his things. And my father-in-law, a lot of you know him, but um, to be quite honest, if I'm being really honest with you, sometimes my father-in-law could be a little bit embarrassing, okay? Um, he never met a stranger, ever. I'm not kidding. We, we've been in Europe with them. We've been all over. There's a square in Belgium where we all split up and we got all these food stalls. Claire stayed there. He did not want to, to go with us. I was gone for 15 minutes. I come back and say, hey, Lance, come over here. I want you to meet this guy from Arizona. The only other American guy in that whole square, he found him, he met him, and he had this guy's play, son plays for the Cardinals. And all, you know, he knows his whole life story already. I'm like, how does he do this, you know? Well, I found another letter that my father-in-law had written back in the mid-90s. And it was after one of High Street's great ski trips that they've taken over the years. And the speaker had really encouraged my father-in-law. And so this is what he wrote to his family. He said, I'm writing this letter to my family. And I want you to know that I've rededicated my life to the Lord and I will use every waking moment for the rest of my life to tell as many people as I can about Jesus. And that's what he did. The missionaries I've told you about today, they made an impact where they went. My father-in-law, wherever he went, he made an impact. He made an impact in people's lives. He talked to people about the mission field. Andrew Perez is one of those people. He talked to Andrew about coming over to visit us in the Philippines. Andrew got on a plane. We had never met him. He surrendered to missions. He's in ministry today. That's just kind of the kind of impact that, that Claire had on people. But you know, his race, it's finished now. And I do believe that when he stood before the Lord, when he met Jesus face to face, he heard those words, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, we're all in a race, aren't we? We're all in this race of life. And, and, and we've got to keep going and we've got to keep pushing. Uh, the Olympics are going right now. I am an Olympic fanatic, okay? I, you would it'd probably be embarrassing to know how many times I check the medal count a day. I'm just very much in the Olympics, always have been, and, and uh, I love learning facts about the Olympics. And when I got to the Philippines, though, I didn't realize uh, that the Philippines had never won a gold medal at the Olympics. There were a couple of silver medals, but they had never won a gold medal. So I'm not joking when I say this. I have hoped, I have dreamed, I have even prayed for the Philippines to win a gold medal. I, no, no joke about that. I have prayed for that. Just this last week, I want to show you a picture of Heidi Lynn Diaz, one, a weightlifter, Olympic weightlifter for the Philippines. She won the gold medal. Woohoo! I was so excited. I was so happy. I, was, I let out a yell like that. I teared up. It was the first time that the Filipino national anthem has ever been heard at the Olympics. First time. She's a trailblazer. She's the one that will encourage every gold medalist in the future from the Philippines. She's the one that's the first. She's the one that did it. And this is what she said. She said, I want to say to the Filipino people that we can do it. What seemed impossible, what seemed like it could never be done, she accomplished it. This is her fourth Olympics. Her fourth Olympic Games. And she kept training and kept pushing and kept pushing and she finally took home that medal. First one in the Philippines. I started thinking about that, to be the first one and say, now let me encourage my countrymen, we can do this. Honestly, I started thinking about High Street. I started thinking about this race that we've been on for the last 80 years. And we don't have to say this, oh this is the first time we sent out a missionary. This is the first victory that we've seen. That's not true for us, is it? 
Because over the years and over the decades, God has allowed us to see victory after victory after victory. What was said earlier, 165 missionaries supported. Praise the Lord, amen. We know we can do it because we've been doing it for the last 80 years. And what does God want us to do? He doesn't want us to be shut shut down by some pandemic. He doesn't want us to think, oh, it's all over for us. He wants us to keep running the race. And he wants us to run the race in such a way that we would win the crown. That we would get that crown that we would lay those crowns at his feet one day, but those crowns are waiting for us if we will just cheer each other on. What a blessing to be here the last few months and to see what God is doing and to see what God is doing in ministries here. And I've, been, I've loved talking to, to Tom and Daniel and, and see what God is doing in high school here. I've loved talking to Jared and, and Logan and see what God is doing in young adults. God is on the move, amen? And we get to cheer each other on. And here's what we get to do as Christians. Here's what we get to do as a church. We get to go, arm in arm as a mighty army going out and doing the Lord's work. We get to cheer each other on to say keep going, don't give up, don't lose heart, keep witnessing, keep reaching out. And we get to do that, you get to do that through your missions program. Thank you so much High Street for being an encouragement to us to go on these 21 years and to go and to plant churches and to establish ministries and do different things in the Philippines. Thank you, we need to keep doing that. And why is that important? Because there's more work that needs to be done. I wanna show you some just some pictures as I close, and I want to show you another picture of Pina Francia that I was talking about earlier. This is a place that we've rented now, and it doesn't look like much right now, but it's hard to rent something, and this is basically what presented itself, and so we've been meeting on the floor right now this week. We're beginning remodeling of this area. We'll get chairs later, and, and whatever we need for that church building, we'll, we'll try to do that later, but this is that church that was established. They're meeting week after week. This is our missionary, Pastor Ferdy, in the front. They are missionaries to Romania, but they've been shut down for deputation, but they said, you know what? We don't want to just sit around and do nothing. We'll, we'll step in with Pina Francia in the time, in the, in time being. We'll, we'll do that. And so they're leading that ministry. God is on the move. He's at work. Look at this story, this next uh, slide of, of Dada Itan. This is about two hours outside of Manila, and God has allowed us to start a couple of locations out here now, but we're reaching out. The, the children you see in the bottom left corner here, they're from a tribe called the Dumagat tribe. Pre-pandemic, we've tried to reach out to them and tried to reach out and it just hasn't worked. Now things are opening up. Uh, Selly, one of our staff members, she actually found some villages where there where they don't have shoes and that's unusual for us but we've reached out with shoes now and you see even one of the little girls leading her classmates in Sunday school there. We want to keep reaching out to Dadaritan. We want to keep reaching out, and we'll show the last two slides here, just in different ways through our high schools. Again, we're reaching out to parents. We've never been able to reach this many parents before. And then the last picture I want to show you is our newest location in San Mateo and Montalban. This was started actually by one of our deacons, Fidel De Castro, and they started the the cinder block wall you can see there, and we've got a few other posts and they've handed it over to us. We want to finish that building and reach out. This was started because of a typhoon last November, and we did outreach there, and now there are people that are meeting there every week, and people are being saved. You know, what kind of impact can we make in this world? There is so much to do. There's so many people to reach out to. There's so many ways that we can reach out. We just have to stand up and be those witnesses that God wants us to be. You know, Jesus went to the people. Who can you reach out to this week? Maybe God is putting somebody in your heart. School's starting up again soon. Who's somebody that you can reach out to? A classmate, a friend, someone that you can share the gospel with. We need to do this because people need to be saved. And if you're listening to me today, 
and you've heard these verses about Jesus is the only way, and we've talked about that today. And if you're, if you're not sure that Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can be saved today. You can know that your sins are forgiven. You can know that heaven is your home when you die someday, all because you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior today. If you're not sure about that, if you've never done that, you can do that today. You know, Jesus gave the people hope, and we can share this message of hope. Jesus was concerned about meeting people's needs. What need could you help meet with someone in your community? What need in this church could you help meet? What need in missions could you help meet? You know, we continue to be the church even in the pandemic, amen? Will you be that church that obeys the Lord of the harvest and takes the gospel to the world? Our faith has been tested, but it can never be shaken. Our plans have been changed, but God's plans for world evangelization have never changed, have they? It's been the same since the beginning of time, actually. Our resolve needs to remain strong to accomplish and to finish the race that the Lord has for each one of us. Commitments maybe that you've made need to be made again. How will you pray? I wanna ask you to pray for the Philippines today. Pray that more doors would be opened up, that God would allow us to think creatively so that we could get into areas, even though things are locking down, they just locked down again yesterday, but we wanna be creative, we wanna still be witnesses. You know, what can you give to help make a difference around the world? But then, let me ask you this, who will go? Who will go? God is doing something. I just wanna read Isaiah 43, 19, and then go back to Matthew 9, 38 as I close. Isaiah 43, 19 says this, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You might think it's all over. It's too hard. It's too difficult. Nothing is too difficult for our God. He has plans waiting for you. If you'll just surrender your life to him, it may seem impossible. It may seem like there's no way forward. But God has a way of parting the, the sea, doesn't he? He has a way of moving the mountain or, or carrying us over the mountain. However he chooses to, to, to carry us, he will carry us. But remember in Matthew 9, 38, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers in the harvest. Would you pray that prayer with me? Would you join me in praying that? But you know what? Maybe you would be the answer to that prayer. Maybe somebody's already praying that in this church and you're the answer. You just need to surrender. Pray for the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. And we've got to help send them. High Street, thank you for being that church. Thank you for being that church that loves missions and has sent so many around the world. Thank you for sending our family. It's been our, the privilege of our life to serve as missionaries in the Philippines. Let's continue to be those people, those families, that church that helps spread the gospel around the world. Can I ask you to bow your head and close your eyes?